0: notice a nice little uh, note up here on the lectern. Hi, I'm your new longer microphone. Don't be afraid of me. Adjust me and talk to me. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Let's pray. Gracious God and Heavenly Father, we want to thank you this morning that uh, we have this time together around your word. Help us to come this morning with expectant hearts, knowing that you desire to speak to us. O Lord, quieten our hearts this morning. Help our inner being to be open and ready to hear what you might say to us through your spirit. We pray for your encouragement. We pray, Lord, for your grace and mercy to be poured out upon us. And most of all, Lord, we pray that the attitude of our hearts will be pleasing and acceptable to you through Jesus Christ. Amen. What do you think heaven's going to be like? You ever thought about that? I mean, we often talk about heaven a bit in church, don't we? Yes. I mean, for the believer, it's our, it's our eternal destination. It's our future hope. I don't know if you ever get excited about it. Oftentimes, you know, in the busyness of life, it's, you know, we sort of tend to lose sight a bit of, uh, of what our hope is in Christ, don't we? I wonder if we've really ever stopped to consider it, though, really taken the time to actually meditate upon what heaven is going to be like because, folks, we're going to be there for an awful long time. For those who love Jesus, we are going to be there forever and ever and ever. You know, for quite some time I thought that heaven would be a place where every believer would gather around God's throne and continually sing songs of praise and worship to him. In other words, this never-ending church service. And I saw other believers get excited by this. And I thought, well, okay, well, I'll you know, get in with this and I'll get excited about it too, but Really deep down, when I started to think about it, I thought, really? A never-ending church service? <laughs> <laughs> kind of sounded really quite unappealing to me. I guess, in many senses, I sort of started to think, well, is this a place I really want to go to? And then I thought, okay, well, let's think a bit more about, about heaven. I think about, you know, what some of the images that the media and that sort of thing portray to us and... You know, have us think about. You know, here we are. We're we're there in heaven, and we've got these lovely white gowns, and maybe some wings or something like that. And here we are, floating up there in the clouds, sitting on these nice, you know, comfy, puffy clouds, playing these harps. (laughs) I thought, wow, that sounds pretty boring too. And it started me thinking. You know, if that's people's impression of heaven, if that's what they think heaven's really going to be like, then no wonder people aren't in a hurry to sign up to a faith that really has that as its his end goal, don't you think? But then when I read passages in Scripture like this, in Hebrews 11, 8 to 10, we read, By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to a place that he was to receive as an inheritance. And he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith he went to live in the land of promise as in a foreign land, living in tents with Isaac and Jacob, heirs with him of the same promise. For he was looking forward to the city that has foundations whose designer and builder is God. He was Abraham called by God to leave his home, everything he knew, everything familiar to him to go to this place that God was going to show him. God even didn't even tell him where he was going. But he went, trusting in God, and he went, and as we, as God continued to, you know, make, uh, make him known of the, the promises that God was, that God had for him, and for his people, what God was gonna do through him, he continually kept in mind this, he was looking forward to the city that has foundations whose designer and builder was God. Abraham had this wonderful picture that, that that promised land of Canaan where God was calling him to wasn't the end goal for him. There was something far, far greater. The Apostle Paul had a similar kind of, uh, of, of of impression, a similar kind of vision in his own mind. He says in Philippians chapter 1, verses 21 to 23, "'For to me to live is Christ, but to die is gain. "'If I am to live in the flesh that is in this body,' Well, that means fruitful labour for me. Yet which I shall choose I cannot tell. I am hard pressed between the two, for my desire is to depart and be with Christ, for that is far better. Here was Paul living out his life and you know having a fruitful ministry for God and proclaiming the gospel obviously going through a lot of hardship and a lot of difficulty in that and he said you know i really i 'm torn between the two. I know that I can have fruitful labor for God here in this place, but really my heart 's desire is to is to be gone from this place and to be with Christ, for that is far, far better romans eight eighteen he says This, he said, for I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. All of the sufferings of this present world, he said, you know, they might last a short time, he said, but they're nothing compared to the glory that is one day going to be revealed to us and we will be with Jesus Christ forever and ever in heaven. And of course, in 1 Corinthians 2, 9, he says this, for no eye has seen nor ear heard, nor even the heart of man imagined what God has prepared for those who love Him. No eye has seen, no ear has heard, no heart has even ever imagined. You know, we can, couldn't even begin, you know, with our, with our wildest imaginations to, to, to comprehend the glory that is to be revealed to us, that which God has prepared. For those who love him. And I read through those kind of passages in Scripture, and it makes me wonder if, in fact, we today have lost sight of how incredible heaven is actually going to be. I mean we see from these sort of scriptures that it was the understanding of people like Abraham and Paul and, and others that, that that as they as they you know anticipated this glorious this glorious inheritance that will one day be theirs how it uh, you know the, the encouragement that they had then to persevere in their faith to persevere in following God and trusting him despite of all of the difficulties and hardships that we face in this life today It seemed to me today that we have such a poor understanding of heaven and what it will be like, which is, which in in a way has really led Christians to, uh, to, to, to have a greater love, if you like, for the things of this world rather than for the things of Christ. Wouldn't you agree? And because we have a greater love for the things of this world, then what it's done is it's actually caused many believers to take their eyes off Christ to take their eyes off Christ and sadly for many to have this, their faith shipwrecked. Folks, I believe that today a proper understanding of heaven is vital. Is vital to us keeping our eyes and our hearts fixed on truly what is important, what is of, of most and complete value, that is namely Jesus and his kingdom. We need to have a proper understanding of heaven if we're to keep our eyes truly fixed on that which is of utmost value and importance. Last week, Pastor Isaac spoke about the new resurrected bodies that we will receive one day at Christ's second coming. How those bodies which will be ideally designed for this eternal, this eternal life in in the new heaven and the new earth, which the Bible speaks about. And isn't that a wonderful thing to know that we have these new resurrected bodies to look forward to when we think of our own bodies starting to, to wear out and not function the way we'd like them to, to and the, the you know the difficulties and the, the, the aches and the pains and the the, uh, the, the you know the um all of the the, the the frustrations we have with our bodies today and how they just don't seem to do what we want them to do we struggle with things like our eyesight and our hearing we struggle things with you know creaky knees and creaky elbows and and bad backs and things like that one day we're going to have this new resurrected body which will be absolutely perfect and there'll be no more suffering and no more hardship and no more tears and no more no more pain. But I think the thing that we, you know, for the genuine believer today, that we struggle the most with is sin, isn't it? That we get so frustrated and so, you know, downhearted, is discouraged by the sin in our lives that continues to have its way and to bring that, that, that destruction and that devastation in our lives. You know, we, we certainly agree with the Apostle Paul that says, Who will rescue me from this body of death? And of course he says, praise be, thanks to Jesus Christ, that he's the one that will do that. And folks, to me, that's the thing that I long for the most when it comes to this new body is that this, we will finally be done with sin. So we'll have these new bodies in heaven. Wow, wouldn't that be, why, be fantastic? But what will we do? what will we do in heaven though? I mean, is heaven just about just you know just this this never-ending church service, or is it about sitting on clouds and things like that, playing arts? Well, no, it's not. Let me assure you that that is far from the case. Now, there's a lot of conjecture and speculation as to what heaven might be like, but Scripture does give us quite a bit of insight into it. So, the plan is this morning then, just to direct us to what the Bible clearly points out about heaven, and, and, and for us to be able to draw some, some fairly educated conclusions about that, but also conclusions that some which are not, although specifically, get my tongue around that one, specifically stated that we, that we could most appropriately expect as well. The first is this this morning, if you turn to your book, your, uh, Bibles in Revelation 7, verse 9, the first thing we can expect to do in heaven is to worship. Revelation 7, 9-10 to says this, After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation, from all tribes and peoples and languages, standing before the throne and before the Lamb, clothed in white robes with palm branches in their hand, and crying out with a loud voice, Salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. The first thing we can expect to experience in heaven is to be a part of this wonderful and great multitude of believers from every nation, from every tribe, from every people group, from every language group, all gathered together before the throne of God, worshipping Him and the Lamb, worshipping Father, Son and Holy Spirit. Now I uh, remember going along to uh, a... uh, a, uh um, a, wasn't really a church service, but it was a uh, a Christian gathering one time. This is going back a number of years ago, and a fellow from the states had come out, a, a worship uh, worship leader from the states. His name was a guy called Ron Canole. Some of you may have may have heard of him from many many years ago. And I remember that, uh, that that particular night sticks with me in my mind so vividly because I don't believe that I've ever really worshipped God in such a way and sensed the, uh, the spirit of God moving in that place in such a way as that particular night, worshipping with that fellow leading us, leading all of these people from, from right across uh, Queensland in that, particular, uh, in that particular worship service. And then I think... You know what? When it comes to heaven, we're going to be there gathered before the throne with with people from everywhere across the world. Believers from, from, from right the way through history. You know, from right the way back to, you know, from people right the way back through, through time, through history, through history past, right the way through to, to history, you know, to, to history that is still to come in the future, people who have still got to come to faith. We're going to be gathered there from people all across the world, from every nation, from every tribe, from every people group, from every language group. We're going to be there and we're going to be worshipping God. And I believe that people will be worshipping God in their own tongues. And we'll know and we'll understand what they're what they're saying because we'll all be saying the same thing. We'll all be saying salvation belongs to our God who sits on the throne and to the Lamb. We'll all be praising God together. Does that excite you, folks? Good on you, Anne. Folks, when we meet here on a Sunday, I don't know if you really this is really connected with you or really clicked with you at the moment. But when we meet here on a Sunday, we meet here like this in anticipation of what that praise and worship of God is going to be in the future heaven. And we ourselves, as we come together on a Sunday as the people of God here, from all kinds of backgrounds, in fact, from many from from other nations as well, even in our own midsts, we have a we have an opportunity to come together as the people of God here in this place and experience just a glimpse of what it will be to worship and praise God together there in his in his presence when we finally all get to worship the lamb together did you know that we get that we get that opportunity to do that here on a sunday as the people of God and it should really come out in our hearts and in our faces you know, that we, we're just so grateful and so thankful to God that, first of all, that he has seen fit to actually call us to be his children. Because I don't know about you, but I look at me and I, I kind of think, God, really, you chose me? When I think of all my failures and all my failings and all my weaknesses and all of the sin... And that in my life. And I think, God, you chose me, really? You chose me in order to bless me? In order to to bring me into your family? To redeem me through the precious blood of your son, the Lord Jesus Christ, through his death and resurrection? that you chose me even though you'd know that day after day after day that I would fail you, that I would willfully rebel against you, that I would not worship you and live for you the way that you've called me to. You still love me and you call me in order to bless me with your presence. Because, folks, that's what he's done for every single one of us. And that in itself should bring about uh, an attitude in our hearts of gratitude and thankfulness to our God. speaks about that we will be clothed in white robes, which is symbolic of the, the righteousness of Christ that has been imparted to us and the purity that comes from being the people of God. God's holy and righteous people. And it speaks about them waving palm branches, symbols of rejoicing and, and celebrating the victory that is ours in Jesus Christ, the salvation that He has secured for us. Folks, that'll be a worship service like no other. That will be a worship service like we have never ever experienced in our lives. A service where we'll be filled with absolute awe. But we'll be free from all the inhibitions in our worship of God. I don't know about you, but you know, when it comes to worshipping God, sometimes here on a Sunday, in fact, probably a lot of the time here on a Sunday, you know there are, we actually really want to kind of just really let ourselves go with worship of God. Some, some of you do anyway, I know that. But you feel inhibited by that because you don't know what others are going to think about you, what others are going to say about you. You don't know how it's going to impact on the person next to you and that sort of thing. But folks, when we get to that day, there'll be no inhibitions whatsoever. And we will worship God and glorify him in ways which we could not even have begun to imagine. That kind of thing, really, folks, should thrill our hearts. It should truly thrill our hearts. Revelation 4 gives us this wonderful and amazing picture of what God's throne is like in heaven. It says the one who sat on the throne had the appearance of jasper and carnelian and all around the throne was a rainbow that had the appearance of emerald and from the throne came flashes of lightning and rumblings and peals of thunder and before the throne was burning seven torches of fire which is the sevenfold spirit of God and before the throne was a sea of glass like crystal And around the throne were 24 other thrones with 24 elders seated on them, clothed in white with gold crowns on their heads. And on either side of the throne, four living creatures full of eyes front and behind and having six wings. Another image of what we find in Ezekiel chapter 1, all praising and worshipping God together. And, folks, that is what we are going to experience one day. Here's a picture of the dazzling glory and the the amazing brilliance of God and of his throne. And one day we will see this with our own eyes. And one day we will experience it. We will be filled with awe and wonder and delight. Can you imagine a time in your life when when you were filled with absolute awe and wonder and delight? I remember uh, a few years ago, and I'm not going to tell you which one of our girls it was because I don't want to embarrass them. But uh, it was one of their very first Easter's where they were old enough to appreciate Easter eggs. And uh, and um, we'd been sent some some money from the grandparents to to, to buy them this, this you know buy the girls this, this Easter egg. And I remember sitting it down in front of in front of our daughter. And she opened up the wrapping and she opened up this this you know, the the paper and she peeled it off and then she found this this box. It was a Humpty Dumpty egg. <laughs> and as she opened up the cardboard box and she took out this 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 egg all wrapped in that lovely bright coloured foil and that sort of thing. And the look on her face was absolutely priceless. It was I can't do it, I can't do it justice. But it was a, it was a face And just for that instant, you could see the absolute awe and delight that was captured on our daughter's face when she realised what it was. And folks, that's nothing compared to the awe and delight and wonder that we ourselves are going to experience one day there in heaven when we're before that very throne of God. What a day to look forward to. What a hope that we have. We will worship. We will worship God. Next, we will serve God. Revelation 7 goes on to tell us that we will serve God day and night. We will serve him day and night. Therefore they are before the throne of God and serve him day and night in his temple. He who sits on the throne will shelter them with his presence, verse 15 tells us. First glance as we read through this it would appear to say that we can expect this, this wonderful great big temple there in heaven, but Revelation 21, 22 actually tells us that God himself is the temple. You think, well how does that work? Well you might recall that, you know, in our time as we went through the tabernacle, you know, a little while ago, that the tabernacle was the place that God chose to literally dwell with his people, remember? And after the tabernacle, when they, God led the people into the promised land and, and they uh, set up the Jerusalem as the capital city, they built a, a more permanent structure called the temple of God. And God said it would be there then when he would make his presence dwell among his people. So really we need to understand that temple really has to do with the presence of God, the very presence and dwelling of God with man. And it seems from scripture that, that heaven and earth are, are one day they're going to be united together, they're going to be brought together and on the new earth there'll be a new city of Jerusalem. And we we'll read about, you can read about this in, in uh, Revelation 21 and 22. But this new Jerusalem will be a a magnificent city, the city of gold, the glorious city, and it will be the place which will be the dwelling place of God with man. And people will come into this city and they will go out from the city through its gates and the gates will never ever be shut, that there will be no more barriers between us and God. What kind of service will we do? Well, I want you to cast your minds back for a minute to uh, to, to the, the beginning of the Bible and to Genesis chapter one or chapter one, verse twenty eight. Because if you remember back to then, you'd know that the beginning of creation, God created Adam and Eve, remember? He created them there in the garden and he blessed them. And what did he tell them? He said he wanted them to be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion. God blessed them and said this is what I want you to do. I want you to be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth and subdue it and have dominion over it. The New Testament speaks of us as believers as ruling and reigning with Christ. 2 Timothy chapter 2, 11 and 12 says, This saying is trustworthy. For if we have died with him, that is, if we have died with Christ, we also will live with him. If we endure, we will also reign with him. Reigning means governing. It means having that dominion that God called us to do. So we can take it that that our dominion will have something to, to do with that same kind of dominion that God gave Adam and Eve right the way back there at the beginning of the creation before the fall. Now that gets me excited. Not the fact that we'll actually reign, but we'll have stuff to do in heaven. Folks, we're going to work in heaven. Did you know that? Remember God said to Adam and Eve he wanted them to, uh, to care for the garden, to look after it, to work. But that as they worked, that it wouldn't be a, a tiring work, it wouldn't be a burdensome work, but it would be a fulfilling and enjoyable experience, this work. It was only after the fall that work became this toilsome and, you know, burden upon mankind. But we will work in heaven and our work will be enjoyable. It will be fulfilling and it will be purposeful and it will be an extension of our very worship of God. What kinds of work will we do, you might say? Well, I can't answer that because the Bible doesn't tell us. But I'm sure that whatever we do, that kind of work will be creative and it will be productive. And it will be honouring to God. And it will bring us a great sense of fulfilment and purpose and enjoyment in doing that. Now the next one's a really good one. Feasting and celebrating. (laughs) Who doesn't like feasting and celebrating, right? I remember uh in Newcastle when we used to live in Newcastle there was we had a favorite family restaurant we used to go to it was called the Eastern Tiger restaurant at uh a place called um, um, or well, I will not worry about that but it was in Newcastle anyway all right And we used to love going there because as you, when you went to the the Eastern Tiger restaurant, there was this huge big buffet of all kinds of different foods. There was, there was roasts and there was seafood and there was cold meats and there was, and there was all these wonderful desserts and things like that. And you could go and you could pay an amount of money and then you could eat as much as you liked. And we just loved going there because we knew that, you know, this was a very special treat for us as a family. We, We only went there maybe a couple of times a year, if that. But we look forward to it because this is wonderful and scrumptious. We, we, could, you know, we knew we had this wonderful expectation, this anticipation as we went along to this, to this wonderful, uh, this wonderful place of food. Revelation 19 tells us that in heaven there is going to be a feast beyond any kind of feast we've ever experienced in our life. It's called the Marriage Supper of the Lamb, where we will be invited to sit and dine at the banquet of our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus spoke to his disciples at the Last Supper, telling them that he would not drink again of the fruit of the vine until the day when he would drink it new with them in the Father's kingdom. Matthew twenty six twenty nine. In Matthew chapter 8 and verse 11, he says this, I tell you, many will come from east and west and recline at the table with Abraham, Isaac and Jacob in the kingdom of heaven. Did you know we'll sit down with all the saints and we'll know, we'll know Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. I don't know about you, but I'm looking forward to that day where I can sit at the table, maybe across from Abraham or across from the Apostle Paul or somewhere like that and actually sit there and have a meal together and actually talk with them about their experiences of what it was like to serve God in their day and in their lives, of what you know of how God had worked in their lives, how exciting is that going to be? Hey, yeah. hallelujah. hallelujah! Luke two twenty nine to thirty says. You are those who have stayed with me. Jesus is talking about his disciples to his disciples again. You are those who have stayed with me in my trials and I assign to you as my father assigned to me a kingdom that you may eat and drink at my table in my kingdom and sit on thrones judging the 12 tribes of Israel. Isaiah, the prophet Isaiah in Isaiah 25, 6 to 8, speaking of this this future day, says, On this mountain the Lord of hosts will make for all peoples a feast of rich food, a feast of well-aged wine, of rich food full of marrow, of aged wine well-refined. And he will swallow up on this mountain the covering that is cast over all peoples, the veil that is spread over all nations. He will swallow up death forever and the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces and the reproach of his people he will take away from all the earth for the Lord has spoken. Folks, we can expect that in heaven we will feast and celebrate like we have never feasted and celebrated before. Are you getting excited about heaven yet? Finally, we will know a perfect community. Folks, we are the church, the bride of Christ. And heaven's going to be a place where we will live forever with every other believer who has ever lived or who will live. Yes, even the ones we don't get along with right now. We will live forever and ever in community, in that community, as I said before, a community made up of every nation, tribe and tongue. And there'll be people we already know and there'll be people there who we can get to know. And I know for many believers they're looking forward to seeing loved ones again in heaven. Some of you might be, might be, I'm sure many of you are sitting right there in those seats this morning and you're looking forward to that day where one day you will be reunited with that person or with those people. The Apostle Paul writes to those believers in the first century who were grieving the loss of their loved ones and he offers them this comfort, he says... In 1 Thessalonians four seventeen, we who are still alive will be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Paul himself anticipates that one day we will all be united together there with the Lord in heaven. Probably breaks our hearts to lose loved ones. In fact, I know it breaks our hearts to lose loved ones. Some of you have lost mums and dads. Some of you have lost brothers and sisters. Some of you have lost children who have died way too young. But For those who love Jesus, we are told that we are going to see them again. And we will be with them forever and ever. But folks, that also reminds me of the fact that there are for many of us today who have got friends and family who still do not yet know the Lord Jesus Christ as their Saviour. And the least we should be doing right now is, is to be praying for them day after day after day. praying that God will indeed reach into their hearts and soften them to the gospel, that they might respond to the Lord Jesus Christ as their saviour and as their Lord. But family myself, And I know some of you here in this place today who have lost loved ones, you don't, you don't know whether or not they were actually saved. Of course, we can never know what God does there in the, the minds and hearts of people right before they leave this earth. We can never know that. And we've got to leave that in God's hands. And that causes us a great deal of Sadness. And that sadness we experience today, God promises to come alongside us and bring His comfort and His peace into our hearts and sustain us in that. But He promises that there will come a day when we will no longer have or bear that pain, we will no longer bear that hurt that he will indeed wipe away every tear from our eye. Folks, in heaven our relationships with each other will be of a greater and more wonderful quality than anything we can have here on earth because in heaven we will be completely unaffected by sin. Every relationship we have here in this place, here on this earth nowadays is affected by sin and so it is imperfect. No matter how wonderful a relationship it is, it is in still imperfect. But God says there will come a day when we will be completely done with sin and our community, our fellowship, our relationships will be so glorious and so beautiful and so wonderful. This new heaven and new earth is there we will know perfect community we will work and we will rest we will feast and we will celebrate we will continue relationships that began here on earth and it will be the most perfect the most joyful, the most glorious, the most satisfying the most wonderful existence we could ever ever hope to have or imagine and folks it will never end but the best part the most wonderful and the most glorious part is that we will be with God. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We will be in the presence of God. We will live in his constant presence, worshipping and praising him, whether it be there before his throne or whether it be working, or in whatever capacity he has us working and we will experience his tender and perfect love as our shepherd, as Revelation 7.17 says. For the Lamb in the midst of the throne will be their shepherd and he will guide them to springs of living water and God will wipe away every tear from their eyes. We will be coming home. We will be going home. Back in 2010, we took a team from this church to Fiji. For uh, for a week, a bit over a week, and I was excited and, and really, uh, really, you know, eager to go on this particular mission trip. We got over there, and you know, different culture and that sort of stuff. And after the first couple of days, I started to miss my family like you wouldn't believe. And I had photos that I took with me of my wife and my children. And I remember sitting down on my bed at night and looking at those photos with tears streaming down my face because I missed them so much. And I looked forward to that, that end of the week where I'd be able to get on that plane again and go home and be reunited with my wife and my children. I remember landing here in Brisbane and getting out and getting to the airport and that was exciting enough and walking out into that, you know, into the, uh, arrivals, the arrivals lounge and, and having my wife and my children come and hug me and grab hold of my legs and that sort of stuff and that was fantastic as well. But it wasn't until we really got to our house and we opened up the front door and we walked into our home that I truly felt home and at peace again. Folks, that's what it's going to be like for us in heaven. We will be home. But we will know a peace and a joy that is beyond anything that we can compare in this world today. We're going to spend a, time, a short time in a minute around the community table. I'm going to ask the stewards to uh, to come forward. As we've shared in communion together, we're going to uh, sing a beautiful hymn. And I want to share with you some of the words of that hymn and prepare you for it. You'll hear the music uh, you know, during the time that we share in communion. But it speaks about this land, this, this land that is going to be ours, this home that we are going to. It says, The sands of time are sinking. The sands through the hourglass, the sands of time are sinking. The dawn of heaven breaks. The summer morn I've sighed for. The fair, sweet morn awakes. Dark, dark hath been the midnight. But day spring is at hand. And glory, glory dwelleth in Emmanuel's land. The king there in his beauty without a veil is seen. It were a well-spent journey, those seven deaths lay between the lamb with his fair army doth on Mount Zion stand, and glory, glory dwelleth in Emmanuel's land. O Christ, he is the fountain, the deep, deep well of love, the streams on earth I've tasted more deep I'll drink above. There to an ocean fullness his mercy doth expand, and glory, glory dwelleth in Emmanuel's land. O I am my beloved's, and my beloved's mine. He brings a poor, vile sinner into his house of wine. I stand upon his merit, I know no other stand, not even where glory dwelleth in Emmanuel's land. Folks, as we gather around this table this morning, we come remembering that it is on no other ground that we are able to stand apart from what Christ has secured for us through his death and resurrection. There is nothing of value, of worth, of anything that we can bring to God of any kind of significance that can earn his favour. All we can do is come humbly before his feet and fall before him in repentance and faith and trust in the the saving grace of our Lord Jesus Christ, the, the, the salvation that he has secured himself through dying in our place as our lamb, as our sacrificial lamb. But this table also not only speaks of what has happened in the past, but it speaks of God's presence with us now because as we partake of the elements, we partake of the body of Christ. Not that the elements have got anything magical about them, that they become the body and blood of Christ, but we participate in the community in union with Jesus Christ in this meal together this morning, knowing that Christ is our Saviour, knowing that Christ is with us, that he is our shepherd now, but it also speaks of the future that one day we will sit down at that great feast there in heaven, the marriage supper of the Lamb, where we will indeed celebrate and rejoice and cry out, salvation belongs to our God and to the Lamb. Amen? Amen. Amen. So as we partake of these elements, I ask that you would take the bread and eat of it, but that we will hold the cup as we, uh, as we drink together.